0: Welcome to the Nerds Guide to Financial Independence podcast, episode number four. Hey friend, I'm Sarah, and welcome to the Nerds Guide to Financial Independence podcast. I am here to show you that financial independence can be for anyone who wants it badly enough and that investing in real estate doesn't have to be scary, take a vast DIY knowledge, or involve heaps of debt. When I am not sharing my own progress to FI, I'll be picking the brains of fellow like-minded debt-conscientious investors. I am so glad that you are here, my fellow aspiring retirees.
1: So my name is Jay. Um, I live in the Jacksonville, Florida area, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I have been investing in real estate for 14 years now, coming to 15. Um, I'm married. Um, I have two boys. I'm an air traffic controller, for those of you who do not know, Mm -hmm. so I've been doing that for a while as well. Um, So, How did I get started in real estate? Was back in 2006, oh, before I forget, I'm sorry, let me go back. I'm from Portugal, so you're gonna, you know, hear um, a little bit of my accent and that's fine, completely Mm -hmm. fine. Anyway, so, (laughs) how did I get started on real estate? Back in 2006, um, I thought that I knew it all back then about real estate, which, now in 2020, I, of course, I know that I didn't know anything back then in 2006. But I thought that I knew everything, you know, about real estate because I was I was always intrigued about having like real estate and having tenants paying your mortgage. Um, but I didn't know anything about what was going behind the scenes in real estate. I didn't know anything about the expenses. I didn't know anything about nothing. I just I was in love with the, having a property and having some tenants paying that, you know, and getting money, mm-hmm. cash flow. I was in love with that part of it, with the wealth. I didn't know anything about the process. So I thought that I knew everything. So I went and bought a property. By that time, back in 2006, I was living in Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico. Um I moved into to the states 2013. So back then I was in Puerto Rico 2006, and my sister um, she lived, she used to live in Orlando, Florida, and she still lives there in Orlando, Florida. So back in 2006, it was the real estate boom, okay. and she was telling me, "Oh my God, all these properties are like gaining five thousand dollars a day." I was like, "What?" So I was like, I need to buy something because once you start learning about investing, even in real estate or index funds or individual stocks, you know, anything related to investing, you start learning about the different biases that we have. So one of the biases that I encountered back then was the fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I was I was. I was afraid I was that was I was going to miss out on this op- big opportunity about making a lot of money. Then again, I was in love with the wealth, not the process. So once we get into our conversation, you actually need to be in love with the process more than the outcome. And then you will get to the outcome. Um so yes, I got a property in Orlando, Florida, and I used to live in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So do not ask me why I made the decision. It was a crazy decision. But then again, I thought I knew it all. Um, um, So I still own that property. I bought that property. I'm gonna share some numbers here so that way you can put it in perspective and for your audience as well, if they can put it in perspective. Yeah. I bought that property in 2006 for $225,000. It was a condo. Um, it was a two beds, two baths condo, but it it has still has because I still own it. It has a den that it can be used as another bedroom. So, um, it, you can say it's a three beds, two baths condo. So I bought it for two twenty five, back in two thousand and six. My whole idea was to flip it, just own it for maybe six months because you know properties were gaining literally they were gaining like five thousand dollars a week or a month back then in 2006 and we all know about 2008 real estate crash um so that was my plan hold it for six months but my plan got turned around fast when the real estate crash came so when i was when I decided to sell the property, um, the property was worth ninety thousand dollars. Yeah. So, yes, I lost a lot of money, and with my experience, knowing a lot of people in real estate and all that stuff, the person that tells you like I haven't I haven't lost any money in real estate, I, I would take that with a grain of salt, because if you have done this business for a while. Even ten ten dollars, you're gonna lose um, because that's that's the that's that's the way it is. It's like sometimes when we invest in index funds, right? Mm-hmm. It lose money, but in the long term, um, if you stick with your investment plan and with your investment, you know policies that you have, it, you will come ahead. Same with real estate. Real estate is a long term investment. That's what it is. Right. So that's pretty much how I started, like in 2006. Losing mo- losing that's money. that's
0: interesting too. Do you know what the property is worth now?
1: Oh, yes. Right now, I bought it in 2006, where 2020, 14 years later, the property is worth 150. Okay.
0: 150. Yes. So let's head and back up. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, slowly, slowly. The good thing about real estate once you start learning about this process is that I have been carrying those loss those losses in my schedule in all these years. So on paper, I have like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars losses. so once that property starts making money, I will not pay taxes on that profit, so that's when it comes the famous rich that, for that book, the, ta- the rich don't pay taxes. Yep. That's how it is. It's because sometimes they carry losses in their taxes, which is completely legal you yep. know, with the IRS code.
0: And is, is it losses for your entire business or is it just for that individual property?
1: For that individual property. Okay. So you once like- that property, yes. So once that property starts making money, so i will not pay taxes on those those profits because the profits are going to go against the losses yeah. if i decide to sell that property then those taxes um th- i'm sorry those losses are going to go towards my um taxable income so i may get a refund you know someday if i decide to sell it
0: right It <laughs> yeah. makes sense um so how many properties do you have now you have some in Florida, and you also have some in Minnesota. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's that's correct. I have in Florida, I have in Texas, in the Austin Texas area, and I have uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. Nice.
0: And so, how are you? We, I main reason I want to talk to you is because of all the uncertainty. How are how's your portfolio doing since April first today of 2020? In case people are watching this, well, not in real time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, not in real time. So April first, twenty twenty, I got uh, my ten, which the properties here in Florida I manage myself. So I contact them. I was, you know, proactive, talked to them and all that stuff. So of course, um, they pretty much Rolando is in a lockdown right now. Um, so all the businesses are are closed down, or the majority of them. I, I don't know the exact. But um, so he. Pretty much, I'm getting half of my rent right now yep. in that property, and in the other properties in the Texas, they're doing fine as of now. Um, in the Minnesota ones, those are more like um, class B minus class C properties, mm-hmm. um, which is a, one of them is a fourplex, so it's, it's you know consider whatever a, an apartment, small apartment, apartment building. Right. So those are more like. Class C plus, Class B minus. I'll say more Class B minus, because it's in a really, really good area up there. Mm-hmm. So, but those are, yes, those are getting affected. And I, I assume, I was talking with uh, my guys up there, I will get 30% of the income, of the total income that, that you know, th- those properties bring, so yeah.
0: Do you know what kind Anywhere of jobs fifty have? 50%? Do you know what kind of jobs that has? Because that's like kind of like the working class like niche of the world. Because that's what our property. are, it's yes. you know, like the B, mid B's, low B's. Yeah.
1: Yes, the one in Minnesota, the B minus. Those are working class. You know, um, janitorial, restaurants, all that okay. stuff. You know. And because I keep hearing from
0: people like the restaurant industry is just getting drilled right now, and that's affecting a lot of landlords because obviously they can't like waiters and waitresses that usually have good income don't have any anymore. So.
1: Exactly. Yes. Don't have, yeah. Anything or any tips, yeah. whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and it's very hard for them to claim, um, like, unemployment. Like, I was watching one of my family members doing it, and since the most of their money is done in tips, it's, like, really complicated to try to figure out how to file for unemployment if they're able to, so it's a very interesting process to kind of watch unfold, and that's very hard for a lot of people, so...
1: Yes. So pretty much my, my tenants, they work is, is the working class. The one in Orlando here in Florida, um, the property that I have lost money. He works uh, cleaning windows Mm -hmm. and his wife is delivers food. So right now there is no food to deliver. So, right. So yeah. So pretty much it's working class.
0: Yeah. And usually those, that niche kind of fares pretty well in recessions. Like, I don't know if you've, or like dips and things in the market, because people tend to need to live in those, you know, that class of house, like,
1: so, exactly.
0: Usually that's like our yeah. safest segment, and I think that's the weird thing about coronavirus is it's kind of hitting everybody um, from what I read on like the forums. I don't know if you have a similar thoughts on that or, yeah. I mean, we're not as bad off as like the Airbnb people, but.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, the Airbnb still, I mean, now they're going through the coronavirus, right? A pandemic, a world pandemic, and they'll still have to go through a recession yet yeah, to get, you know, proven. So let's see how it goes, you know. But um, I I like the idea of the Airbnb, but it has to be well thought, you know, before um, actually jumping into it.
0: Right. So do you keep keep a set amount of, like, cash reserves on hand to, like, deal with these kinds of situations? Or how do you protect yourself? Or what do you use? I know some people are using, like, line of credits. Some people like a pile of cash in the bank. I don't know what strategies you have to kind of weather it.
1: All right. Well, let me tell you, Sarah. I... The way I love to think about this stuff, I like to think in ratios, right? I like to think about my whole portfolio. I don't think about only one property. Right. Um, I'm going to give you an example. Um, this is this is an example, right? I don't want people out there like jumping. Oh my God, you know, Jay has this amount, but this is an example. Um, for example, if I have a property that a property is worth fifty thousand dollars um i i try to keep a percentage of all my my whole portfolio but if i only have one property of $50,000 and if i want to keep 5% as reserve that's only that's only going to be $2,500 you know so right. that's not going to do anything for me if i have a $50,000 if i have to replace a roof a water heater um, I, that's, gonna do, that's not going to do anything for me. So if I only have one house that is $50,000, I will have six months in reserves for the mortgage and if anything, uh, you know, anything comes up. Now, if I have a $1 million real estate portfolio, I like to think in ratios. I will have 5% of $1 million in reserve, which is $50,000. is a good amount of money that can give me leeway to do something if I need to replace roof, if I need to change a, you know, a a water heater and all that stuff. So that's the way I like to think about these things, like my whole portfolio, because then I can maximize my cash and I can maximize my reserves. That's that's the way I think. So to answer your question, I like to keep 5% in reserve of my whole portfolio.
0: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because that was something I had to wrap my head around because I think everyone wants like a very easy number. Like you do like X amount of dollars or you do six months, but it's different as you kind of scale up because you're like, how many times would I have to like replace like every furnace in a year like that? You know what I mean? Like you're just not going to Exactly. Have- it's
1: it's, it's going to depend. Once you scale up, it's, it's, it's more like in my mind, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm right or wrong, but in my right. mind, I see I work in ratios. Like I'll, I'll keep 5%. And not only that, I have to take into consideration the age of the property. Because if I have a 2010 property, 2011 property, well, that's, that's not, I will not need a roof yet. Right. Um, if I have a 1958 property, well, you're going to have more maintenance there. But you know, if, if you find a 2012, 2013 property, 2015, hey, you can maybe have a little bit less on, you know, on your reserves.
0: Sounds good. Um, and then are you do you own any of your properties free and clear? I don't know if I've ever asked you that question. We talk, me and Jay talk a lot, so I'm trying to think of things yeah. I have talked about before.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can ask me anything. Um, no, I do not. I have the ability to have them free and clear right now, but I have decided not to do it. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So I I rather have um, um the cash. On hand right now mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, right. and 2020, you know, we're <laughs> locked down with a pandemic. Right. Um, not only that, my other reason that I haven't paid off um, some of the properties is because I'm changing my portfolio. So I'm planning, hopefully, let's see how it goes. I'm planning this year to sell the one in Orlando to get those losses out from there yeah. and get a refund next year. Um, and so that's why I haven't paid off anything yet because I'm I'm changing some of the some of my portfolio.
0: Right. But I think. To answer your you, question,
1: yes, I'm planning to pay off some properties once I buy new, maybe cash or something.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, if you guys, are you doing, are you, do you, are you trying to cover your expenses with your properties at all? Because I know that's kind of like our goal. I don't know if I ever talked to you about like your ultimate goal, like, you know, what, with your portfolio, like, are you trying to get to X amount of properties or a certain amount of cash flow with your portfolio? Or are you just Oh, okay. gotcha. You know you. what I mean?
1: Yes, I know what you mean. So the way I like to think about that, I don't like to, I don't put myself up numbers of property. Um, for several reasons but I like to think about cash flow how much cash flow positive when I say cash flow I'm talking about positive after repairs expenses capex um, taxes all that stuff positive cash flow so I look for a number a a number that I have in mind to to reach Um, once I reach that number um, I have options either I can stay there be happy or I can scale scale more if I want to, um, but yeah, once once I I hit that cash flow number, uh, I'll say that I'm pretty much good. But I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll do more. I'm right. not gonna stop. <laughs> but yeah, I always think about it, the cash the positive cash flow number. I don't I don't I don't go like I'm, I'm gonna have all my expenses paid from real estate and then be done, right. and the world is over because <laughs> that's not the way actually works. But yeah,
0: right. But I think it's important to think about because I see so many people worrying about how many units and that's like one of the very most common questions I get is how many properties you want to have and I'm like it's a number and it's a personal number too because I'm like I want to be able to cover our expenses but I also like nice things for better or worse like we're both kind of spenders and so we want a good amount of cushion whenever we get there and I don't know how many properties that'll look like honestly. And so I think that's a really hard question. And the more you talk to investors that have been through this, the more you hear people say like, it's it's not about the number, which is hard because I feel like pop culture and like the media are like, they have a hundred units, they have a thousand units, they have like 20,000, you know, like people just have these huge portfolios and people get very caught up in that. And to think about it differently than the numbers is interesting. I always like to hear Exactly. That. Because the,
1: the main thing is like, you know, you, you, you can do it, Two ways, right? You can be rational and have and put some thought and sense to it, or you can go the ego route. I have thirty thousand properties. I mean, okay, you got thirty thousand units. I got a jet, perfect. But you know, that's the you want to go the ego route, or you want to be rational and have good things, some luxuries, you know, along the way. That hey, I, I like those too, you know. Um. So yeah, you, you can do it both ways. But let me tell you, once, once you get to that level of course you're going to have systems in, in place and all that stuff which they're going to help you but now you know you're gonna you're gonna have you will have to accept that you're gonna have more headaches you're gonna have employees mm-hmm. you know you have more tenants so you know with that i mean with a lot of money come a lot of responsibility and yep. some headaches as well
0: yeah these that many properties Makes me think about the number of people you have to manage in order to take care of those properties, the number of tenants that need repairs. At our stage in life, that seems extremely overwhelming to have that many. And I think a lot of new people find that the case because you're like, I can't imagine one. Like, that's kind of like in the beginning stages. I remember like, I can't imagine having one or two, let alone you know, 30 and how you deal with all of that. So I mean, of course you scale up and get systems, but you're still gonna manage the people that are working those systems. So
1: of course. Anybody that is anybody that has a W-2 job, a regular job, and is a manager, they have to manage people. They can tell you how hard it is to manage people.
0: Yeah. In my (laughs) so in my current job, um like I've I've talked to my manager about like management positions. And I'm like, I just don't think I want that right now because I have all of this like cooking on the side and I'm like I don't want to have to manage all of this and then manage humans at my day job. Like I'm gonna be a really great W2 employee that will treat you very well. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Please don't make yeah. me manage people because I have enough to manage on my own regard. I just wanna do my job and continue on. So um let's see. Oh and then is there any certain financing methods you've used for your properties like do you do land contracts or conventional mortgages or what kind of ways are you have you bought property? all right so let me
1: let me tell you sarah let's see the what what i have right now is convey conventional mortgages Mm -hmm. after doing this for 14 years and learning and reading and talking to other investors um and all that stuff i have to admit that i would say that the most the the ones that has more leverage to win, so you can have more options to do more things, is seller financing. Yeah. Um, seller financing, I think is is great. I have not done it um, myself yet. Um, hopefully, maybe one day I will do it. But seller financing, seller financing gives you a lot of options, a lot of options, and gives you a way to actually help that person that wants to get rid of the property as well,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: gives you a lot of leeway, a lot.
0: Yeah, and I think you talked to um, Coach Carson a little bit too about his like seller oh, financing yes. of loves. Yeah, I've talked, I picked his brain as well and it's it's fascinating how flexible it is. And I think it's really overwhelming when you're you or I who have not done one yet to think about like everything suddenly negotiable. When you go from the world of like conventional mortgages where I like bring my binder of all my notes and my tax, like, profit and loss statements and everything. And I'm like, here lender, like here's everything. And it's pretty, yeah. you learn the system and then seller financing, like it, anything goes. And it's a little daunting to me. I don't know if you feel similar. It but is, it just, you know, it's, there is, yeah.
1: it's it's hard and not, not only is hard. I mean, I if, if I have the chance to do it today, I think I will be able to do it. But the thing is like for the other person is hard because it's the trust issue, you know? So the other person is going to think, oh, should I trust this guy that he's going to pay me? You know, right. that's the thing. That's the thing. So yep. you have to actually sell that. And, and I use the word sell, but it's, it's in a good way. You have to actually convince that person that you're going to pay them. And you actually have to deliver, you know, for either moral reasons or other reasons. Right. Um,
0: so because yeah, they just don't so know you. The thing. and exactly. like them. F- they don't know you. Yeah. And I like the point you hit on too. Um, I talked with uh, Dan and Liz, like the mindful money coaches about this, where we talked about, there's so many people worried about like landlords being like evil people. And I think it's such a good point because you want to like, first of all, take care of your tenants through this time, which you already touched on, like you reach out to people proactively, but then when you do seller financing too, like you're there to kind of help people through getting out of a property they don't want to have anymore. And so I think that's kind of like trying to find that win-win situation for people. If, you can build that relationship with them is I like looking at it in that way. Like where you're helping other people, your house owners, you're helping tenants. Like, I think the good landlords, I talk to have that mentality of like, you do want to help people, but you also need to run a business.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The way I think about it is like I'm, I'm providing housing, you know, and with housing, there are some expenses that comes along. So, so yeah, so, even though i'm pro- providing housing i have some expenses so you know in times like this yes um i reached my tenant i work with them but i let them know that i still have obligations
0: right so, do you remember what you said when you reached out to your tenants you did it um before they reached out to you right i think that was a big thing it, been yes. talking about you shared with that saying you need to do it before they start coming to you you need to lay that ground
1: exactly on. i did it before they actually came to me and I actually did it this time because, like, like I said at the beginning, I'm from Puerto Rico. So um, my wife, she had a property down there in Puerto Rico and in 2017, uh, don't quote me on the date, but <laughs> 2017 Hurricane Maria came through Puerto Rico and it was devastating. So I had a tenant there, a couple with uh, uh, a toddler and a newborn, and I actually reached to them And I worked with them through that crisis because they didn't have power, water, anything. So what I learned with that is like, you know, for me, reaching out first made all the difference in the world. It was easy for me to manage the property during a crisis. They actually took care of the property. Um, When I decided to sell the property, they, they found me the buyer, a good qualified buyer. Um, so I did the same thing now in Orlando and he was extremely happy with the, you know, um, solution that we came with. He was extremely happy and he said, do not worry, I'll take care of everything. So,
0: yeah. And that's the experience we kind of had is I was very nervous to reach out, but I'm like, okay, but there are people like me and I think everyone's just kind of scared right now during this time. And so you can be like, hey, we're all kind of in this, like, please communicate with us. We know, you know most people are experiencing a hard time, whether it's one or both people in the household with their jobs. And so if you need anything, just like communicate with us and let us know what's going on. And everyone paid their rent on the first and we had some good people. So yeah, yeah it, I think our one tenant will struggle a bit in May because she had a 25% pay cut, but I know that going into May now, I know what to expect because we reached out and we opened that dialogue. And so I've gotten like two really nice emails from her saying, it's so nice that she knows she can talk to me and she let me know she had that pay cut. And so we're like, right. you know, we want you to keep you in that house and we know this is a temporary thing. So she doesn't exactly. have that like fear. And I think she's helping us out because we're helping her. So.
1: The, the way I think about it, there is a few ways I think about this. It's like, I want to put myself in their shoes. If I were in that property, would I like the landlord to call me? Yes. Certainly. Of course. That's one. Second, i rather lose $50 than actually going to the turnover expenses, yep. you know, because the turnover is really expensive. So i rather lose $50 or $100 right now than actually turning over the property and spending $1,500, you know? Right. Um, so, and whatever loss I have, I can carry that over in my Schedule B for next year or Whenever the property uh, makes some profit, or if whenever I decide to sell,
0: right? Yeah, we really don't want to turn over that property because we—that's the one we just finished. So Mm. (laughs) we really like to be done with it for a while. (laughs) It's fun. I'd rather keep them there. Yes, but it's just nice to see that. And I've—I've had a few people message me saying they aren't reaching out to their tenants, and then I've had a few people say like they were surprised on April 1st when people didn't pay and that's scary to me. The not knowing is scarier than the being the bigger person and reaching out in my mind. And so yeah. I think that's really important. And I probably got a big nudge from you guys in our little real estate group that we talked to on reach out, pro you know, reach out to them, even though you're also yeah. like nervous and you don't know what's happening to just say, Hey, I don't know what's happening with the world, but we're here. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Oh, um, Were you, so I always talk about, try to like tie in a little Dave Ramsey. I don't know, do you and your wife do anything like debt-free wise on your like personal side or anything like that? Because I think a lot of my followers came from us getting out of debt personally. And so I didn't know how you like, because some people in real estate just love debt. And so I don't know how much you feel is a comfortable amount to carry or what your thoughts are because most people are as much leverage as you possibly can and suck all the money out of every house. And I
1: yeah so let me see if i can attack that question um so let, let me start with this easiest one so if if my wife and i if we have done something with the debt free journey right or um, the baby steps yes we did um, um my wife came with a little bit of student loans it was not it was not much um i did not have student loans because my dad he is still Really frugal, and he told me if you take some debt, I will. <laughs> but anyways, now nah, so That's a yeah, jam. we did a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I, I we did a little bit of the uh, day francie baby steps, and we paid off all our consumer debt. And oh, so right now we're debt free except our own mortgage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which we can pay, but we have decided not to do it. Um, so yes, we did some day francie stuff which is good is great and i will advise anybody because sometimes people think like they message me i have this debt you think i should buy a property no if you have debt, just pay off your debt that's gonna Mm -hmm. have the best rate of return than any property right um right i tell
0: that people people every day and crush a lot of dreams because i'm like you have to i'm like i would be very scared right now if we had personal debt oh yeah but yeah. because you have so many more bills at that point, and it's not scary going through, you know, if none of our tenants paid, we would be fine. And Exactly. And so, yeah. and that's without even having to have an emergency fund, like we can just pay them. Like we could pay all of our mortgages. And so, but I would never have been in that situation, even a year ago. So exactly. So, yeah, I
1: mean, paying, paying off your own debt has the best rate of return, even, even than buying a like dividend stock, even that buying real estate because you never know what's going to happen so that's that's on the personal side um mm-hmm. the day frame see baby steps side so on the real estate side that you said like real estate investor they love that yes they they love that so but then again you're going to take the ego approach or the rational approach be more sensitive sensitive about it um you have to use the intelligently right It's it's not like i'm gonna get you know then again the way i think about this is my whole portfolio how much is my loan to value ratio in my whole portfolio so i try to be anywhere from 50 to 60 Mm percent that means that right now i said that i don't have any properties that are paid off because i'm planning to make some move with my properties however that means that i can have some properties paid off and some property with leverage Um, So that's the way I think about this whole thing in ratios, about my whole portfolio. Um, And then again, the debt thing is like, I like to use it prudently, because actually, believe it or not, that's the business plan that the government has, and the central banks. So if you align your goals, and your interest with the most powerful entities in the world, there is a good chance you're going to win. There's mm-hmm. a pretty good chance. One of those powerful powerful entities are governments and central banks. So what they do, they better inflation. Um, so that will be another topic. It's a little bit more yeah. deep, but that's why I like to use some debt prudently if i'm gonna have my whole real estate portfolio one day paid off yes maybe you know mm-hmm. but um i can still use it and have options if i want to do a cash you know refi mm-hmm. out i have right. options so
0: while so we're in that vein that. how do you feel about burr this burr strategy i'm picking everyone's um, right on this because burr scares me and i don't know why so i'm always curious because I like talking to a little more conservative people about their thoughts.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, the, 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 way I, my whole investing strategy, actually, I think I made a story on my Instagram page. So what was my people to guess what was my, um, my risk toleration about yeah. mine is like moderate, I'll say conservative, moderate. Yeah. So, because I don't like to lose money, you know, yeah. <laughs> I like to make money, but not lose money. And if you uh, have heard about this guy that is called Warren Buffett, he said yep. that rule number one is not to lose money. Rule right. number two, go back to rule number one. <laughs> so yep. the Burr principle I like, but these are my thoughts on it. If you want to do like the Burr, and for those of, you know, the audience that they don't know, it's like buy, rehab, rent, repeat and all that stuff. Yep. You, you actually have to be in the business, you know, doing it, because it is a business. You have to turn over these properties, you know, to actually make money. If you have a W-2 job, yes, it's not impossible. You can still do it, but it's going to be harder. Um, I mean, you have to think about this, about, like, it's, it's a sport, you know. There's people out there with money, with time, and with all these that are going to beat you. You know, Um, so if you're thinking about getting into the bird business and doing it part time, I think is a little bit, a little bit risky, you know?
0: Yeah. There's a little bit of risk involved. And I've learned also that sometimes people can take out too much money of a property and it impacts your cash flow in the end. And so that's kind of interesting. An interesting concept, too, where you can turn a, a decent property into something that's not as valuable by taking every all your equity back out of it again and getting that yeah. mortgage too high. So it's interesting to kind of watch everybody, we'll see how all this shakes out and see how people fare with that strategy. Because I just worry yeah. that people are sucking too much money out to post the picture of their like big check they get at closing and not thinking about cash flow, but yeah. It's a but yeah, for, for me up. it's actually
1: you have to be doing it, you know, because I have a W two job so I don't have enough time to do it. Right. You know they're you know, guys like, you know, that are in, in, in a county with money, resources and they're gonna beat me, you
0: know. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, we remodel in addition to our W two job and it kills you a little bit. So Which, we're taking this opportunity to renovate when my husband's laid off right now. So it's it was kind of good timing for us. And we're trying oh, to make the most sure. out of it right now, if we can, you know, it's a hard situation, but we're trying to, and we're trying to help some friends out too, during this time because a lot of other people are laid off and we're like, can you lay wow. some flooring because I can help you out. <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go, there you go, cheap labor. <laughs> no, I'm All their
0: wives <laughs> are calling me saying, my husband's fishing, but I want him <laughs> to be working on your house as well.
1: <laughs> cheap labor, oh my God, that's funny, yeah.
0: Oh, I don't know if the husbands are excited, but the wives are, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know,
0: I know. Um, yeah. All right. And, oh, and then everyone keeps, I don't know if you're getting messages like this, where people are asking, would you still buy a property, either a primary residence or a rental house right now?
1: Yes and yes. Okay. But, but, you have to buy a rental property or a primary residence for the right reasons not for the wrong reasons right so what i mean by that is like of course one of the good things right now is like low interest rate oh my god that's free money pretty much um low interest rates but i mean you need to know if you can jump into a primary residence i mean because you're ready, not because you know emotional buying or because you you know you're in love with H E T V and all this stuff. There's a lot that goes in you know, a primary residence. Um, people, I mean, they come, and I, we already have read reached that Poor, that. That he says that your house is is a liability, no analysis. What he means is like is you have to pay the mortgage and you have to pay you know comes with some expenses but if you're gonna rent it's the same thing um, but you have to buy a pro- a primary residence for the right reasons not for the wrong reasons and when you are ready um, same same with a rental property of course I'm gonna buy in this market you know <laughs> interest rates are low yeah. um, of course I'm gonna buy but I'm ready to buy you know um, I have the cash in hand to buy not I, I am not going to buy because I'm all excited and And I'm trying to get a loan from my brother or my sister or my mother. And then, you know, what I'm doing, you know, I I have to actually have some capital because I always, you know, in, in in my page, I always say, say like a healthy economy is based on labor, which is productivity, which we're not doing right now. We're pretty much on lockdown. Yeah. A healthy economy also needs capital and investments. So if you don't have capital to invest, I mean, so, I mean, it's it's a it's a little bit hard. So that's what I mean by buying a rental property and a primary residence for the right reasons, not for the wrong reasons.
0: Right. And I worry about like if the market, if the real estate markets and like prices do drop, that people will start buying stuff when they're not necessarily ready for it. <laughs> exactly because i see people buying like buying stocks up like left and right or like pouring money into index funds and i'm like i I keep wondering if people have like an emergency fund in place or their debt paid off or because it's kind of like the i mean we're in like a personal finance community on instagram and so i think there's almost like a peer pressure there to like buy stocks right now because they're people feel like they're low and i'm like is everyone really supposed like should you are you in a really a good spot to do this or are you the majority yeah
1: the majority of people right now this is i mean this is anecdotal right I don't have evidence i mean you're right. you i'm just you're, saying what i'm noticing you're yeah. a science girl you're yeah. a science girl you're gonna yeah. relate this is anecdotal completely anecdotal i don't have evidence i don't have research i don't have <laughs> nothing <laughs> not even our observation i don't have nothing um but the majority of people right now should be hoarding cash yeah. I'm sorry, but that's that's the way it is. All the newbies out there that they want to go and, you know, build a real estate empire You you need to think a little bit more and maybe hold your horses But <laughs> the majority of people they need to be hoarding cash because Not because we're not of course we're gonna prevail. We're gonna win this Right. The United States is gonna come, you know, on the other side but the thing is the uncertainty, you know, There is so much uncertainty what's going to happen with the jobs and all that stuff. So, the majority of the people should be hoarding cash. If you're not ready, you should think about it, you know, twice.
0: Right. Because right now we're hoarding cash, and I'm like, I don't want to buy, I have no interest in buying real estate or stocks right now because we're just kind of holding course because we're in the middle of a renovation and we need to make sure we make it through that before buying anything. And it's very easy to feel like you should be buying something or doing something right now because they're like, interest rates are an all-time low and people are pouring money into the stock market and it's just we have a plan that we're working that i believe in and it's very hard to stay the course sometimes (laughs)
1: yeah actually i think i i I think i told you the other day we were talking on instagram but i haven't bought real estate since since 2018 yeah so what i have been doing i have been hoarding cash (laughs) that's what i've been doing saving money saving money saving money Yeah. So, but I'm ready to buy, but that's not the case with everybody, you know, so
0: Right. And I think that's just something to think about. And you guys also do index funds too, right? Yeah,
1: we do. Yeah, our investment portfolio is real simple. I I like simplicity. Right now, our portfolio is um, equities. The majority of those equities are index funds, um, real estate and cash. That's it. So people, sometimes they ask me, what about bonds? So pretty much real estate and bonds, they're cousins, you know, they're family, they're related. Right. So they behave pretty much, I'll say the same, it's more complicated. I'm right. not going go to debate right, right now, but, but, but pretty much, I mean, they're not correlated with the stock market. Right. So that's our bond in quotes portion of the portfolio. Right. So that's yes, really simple right now.
0: It's interesting because I don't think we've talked about that specifically that you use real estate as kind of your bond because we're also 100% stocks like so kind of like equities and stock same idea if anyone didn't know that. Um, but again, we're 100% stocks because we have real estate, but I think we'd keep a little more bonds on hand if we didn't diversify into something else.
1: So, Of course,
0: yeah. Because it's kind of like a two phase process for us as we have the income of the real estate and then the stocks are the long term game. So. Exactly. at least I mean, how we look right at, at it all. is what like kind of phases in life is the stock exactly you have so and that's, a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah that's the phase that we're in right now, which is equities real estate and cash you know and that's where we are right now because we have the real estate as the bond portion and cash as well so we can you know jump into opportunities but that's the way we look at it right now once you know 10 years from now I'm pretty sure the portfolio is going to look different um, but right now, that's that's where we at right now.
0: Yep, it makes sense. It makes sense with the phase you're in, but that's what it's looking like. I think so. Um, if you were twenty or thirty and just getting started, what what's a good way to begin? And how did you, you know? Hands down,
1: way? hands down. If I which I did, I did the first property that I bought before that big mistake in two thousand and six. <laughs> <laughs> which i still own um the, the first property that i bought was uh primary residence right so what i did back then that was 2005 something like that yeah something like that um was house hacking before the term was yeah. house hacking was so cool. actually yeah <laughs> yeah but before it wasn't you know the buzzword and cool so actually i did house hacking with that house and not only that, I did house hacking, I did a living flip as well. Mm-hmm. So I did two, two things in one house. Um, so the house hacking was a friend of mine um, that he went through divorce and he didn't have a place to stay. I was like, hey man, I got a room here, so mm-hmm. house hacking. And it was really sweet, you know, nice. getting that rent. Getting that rent, so that's, that's a way to start if you're in your 20s or 30s without a family because mm-hmm. if I will do that right now my wife will kill me but <laughs> I was just
0: gonna say were you married to your wife had you met your no. wife that was my next no question. no I was single
1: <laughs> if you don't have a family you don't have responsibilities or kids or anything like that um, I mean everybody can make their own decisions right but if uh, if, if I was single no family that's what I would do mm-hmm. a house hack. Um, but then again, you have to know which person you're gonna get into your house and all that stuff. So you have to do your due diligence. So I would do a house hack or a living flip. And why I say a living flip? Because if you live in a house for don't quote me, but I believe it's two or more years, mm-hmm. if you have any gains on the house, if you sell it for a profit, pretty much that's tax-free money right there. Yeah. Um, so that's that's. That's what I will do if I will be 20 or 30 a living flip or a house hack, which yep. I did both and yep. it worked fine. And actually in that property, back in 2005, it wasn't for recall, I bought it and I made $48,000, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. We I did My husband refused a house hack, but we did two. This our second live in flip. And the first one we made about 43000 I think, when we yeah. got out of that. So yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty nice. Pretty nice, yeah. So and I it was a two-year holding period. I think it's two to three years. Um, yeah, but yeah was, something like that. Yeah, double check us on that.
1: um yeah. Do you have We're any fun facts
0: that people don't know about you?
1: Fun facts that people do not know about me. I don't know. Well, I already said that I am an air traffic controller. Every right? time that they ask me what I do, is I say air traffic control. Oh my God! It's, it's yeah, it's really cool. It's a really no. cool job. <laughs> Talking with the pilots. Um, So yeah, I've been doing that for a while. So yeah, if nobody knows, it's it's a really cool job. Um, Kind of unique, kind of unique. There's only 14,000 air traffic controllers in the whole United States. So out of 330 million people, only 14,000 is kind of unique. Yeah. Um, Let me see, another fun fact. I don't know. I'm a simple guy, you know? I like to. (laughs) I like to exercise, I like to be here with my family, Um, I'm a nerd, so (laughs) a fun fact, I have read more than 150 books, I believe.
0: That's amazing. Yeah,
1: I mean, like this stuff, like, you know, personal finance, I I love the central bank topic and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. so yeah, stuff like that, but I'm a nerd. I'm pretty boring.
0: (laughs) How do you and your wife meet? That would be a fun... Oh,
1: that's that's a big story. (laughs)
0: We could go go there.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, it is a big story. I I need to make it a movie, maybe.
0: Um, I was actually visiting
1: my sister, my older sister in Orlando, Florida. Mm -hmm. And then I was going from Orlando to San Juan, Puerto Rico. I was on the last flight from Orlando to San Juan. Um, So I met my wife in that flight. So (laughs) um, my wife was. She was supposed to come from North Carolina to San Juan, but there was weather and she came from North Carolina, Atlanta, Atlanta, Orlando, Orlando, San Juan.
0: Oh gosh. So, yeah, so actually- having a actually, bad day.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, really bad day. So we actually met on that flight. I was on the right aisle of the airplane. There was two people sitting besides me. I was on the window and the flight attendant was the last flight it was empty the flight attendant saw that i was like you know in that window crunch so he, he, she said like sir you want to move to the left aisle so i looked. i saw my future wife there i was like yeah i moved move. <laughs> 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 so i moved and that was it we're married with two kids now
0: that's so cute that's wonderful
1: yeah that's the way we met
0: that's awesome was she did she also live in puerto rico then
1: uh no she was living actually in minnesota that's where oh. the minnesota properties come from
0: <laughs> Interesting. nice so you guys had yeah. some distance between you for a while
1: oh yeah yeah for a while maybe three years and a half or so
0: nice very sweet that's cute all right anything else you feel like you want to talk about with everything going on with coronavirus or any have you getting are you getting a lot of questions and dms from people about what's happening yes and what to do right now I mean,
1: i'm getting a lot of dms from people and the things that we already touched on, like um, which stuff do you like buy, uh, what real estate property, was like, hold your hoses, do, you, do you have cash? Are you ready to buy? Yes. The main thing that I will say to people is like, if you're not ready to buy, do not buy. You're not a simple stock, an index fund, a piece of property, whatever it is, just take it easy, breathe, and you know, make sure you're, you know, you have all your personal finances in order before doing anything because there is a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, I'm I, I don't like to be pessimistic, but also you have to be, you know, you have to look at the reality, what's going on. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's the whole thing, you know. If if you're not ready to buy, do not buy anything just hoard cash
0: yeah. right now. like that. and I have a lot of people sending me messages about what single stock I would buy and I'm an index fund person and like, this is terrifying. Don't ask me questions like that. Actually, some, some,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I made like two posts like today and yesterday because I actually bought um, Exxon Mobile, right? Because it's like a 9% dividend, which, but then again, I have been researching this for years. You know, it's not like I just decided to do it just out of the blue, you know?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, there is some
1: thought put into it. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, out of, you know, thin air.
0: You know? Right. You've read a lot of books to make your decisions where I
1: think people are. And then again, I could be completely wrong, but, you know, I think I can manage the, the loss if I have any loss, you know, so.
0: Right. And that's another thing I think I see, I've saw a couple people who are just doing like choosing single stocks and they don't have like their core fund yet like i'm like you kind of need like an index fund or like some real like you need to have your stable investments before you start picking single stocks and doing like fun things like i almost put that into like recreational money making exactly (laughs) exactly exactly you need to do that for fun not because your life depends on it
1: (laughs) no no the majority of my equity strategy is in index fund you know yeah, and there's a lot of you know, rumors out there that what's going to happen with the index funds, or I mean, I, nobody knows. You know, right? If your investments and in real estate goes goes to zero, then we will have other type of problems.
0: Right, <laughs> then all the businesses in America have collapsed, and exactly, that's not going to happen. I keep telling people, I'm like, if everything goes, like, falls apart, um, and my husband's dead, then I'll just be like struggling because he is like like a, he hunts and so we have like an armory in our house pretty much and like if anything happens to him I don't know how to use any of this stuff <laughs>
1: so... you should get trained
0: <laughs> I know I have done one class and so I know how to shoot like a couple things and uh,
1: that's good, like, it's... That's yeah. good. you're yeah. in the same boat as my I've wife. gotten one, one class. I was like you need to yeah. do more
0: <laughs> I know yeah I'm like and then I'll hit someone with it. Like, it's terrible. I'm like, if anything happens to you, I'm screwed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The irrational things you think about when you dwell too much on what's happening.
1: Yeah, true. true.
0: Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for chatting. I hope this helps some people out because I know people are just very nervous right now. And so hopefully, you know, talking to a few people through their experiences will help people understand that, you know, there are tried and true methods out there that aren't, big and shiny and flashy. And I think there's kind of these basic core principles that so many investors follow, but they don't get the press I think they deserve. And so, yeah,
1: maybe I'm going to close with this. You know, you you have, you have to have your plan set up. If you have, if you don't have your plan, you're actually working somebody else's plan. And that's not good, you know, because somebody else will be either in a better position than you or in a much worse position than you um so you you have to actually know what's going on and where are you place uh where, where is your place in this whole you know sport you know personal finance and investing yeah because i mean you you could be actually doing somebody else's plan and that plan could be really bad for you you know
0: right like some days I think I need to like wear earmuffs and just focus because i like, I know our plan is going to work and I know we have cash right now. So I'm like, I just need to not listen. to <laughs>
1: Exactly. Sometimes yeah. I don't listen, you know?
0: Yep. <laughs> I stick yep. to my plan. Yep. Sounds good. Well, thank you for all the words of wisdom. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure talking to you. So
1: yeah, no problem. Anytime.
0: Yeah. Well, good to hear from you and I'll touch stay in touch over the next few months and see how you guys are doing. So Gosh, I just loved this episode. If you loved it as much as I did, please subscribe to my new podcast and spread the word. I am also obsessed with Instagram if you were not aware already. So go ahead and make your way over there. Share this episode in your stories and tag me while you're at it. I love it. And I also love reading DMS from all of you. So feel free to shoot me a message and I'll respond back to you as well. I really can't wait to hear from you. I love all feedback and I'm so glad you are here fellow aspiring retirees.